Welcome to the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. I'm Lisa. And I'm Alex. Get ready to dive into the extraordinary tale of our friendship and sobriety journey. From the inseparable high school besties we were to the incredible new chapter of Staying Sober Together. Our story is a roller coaster ride of emotions, growth and self-discovery. If you're just joining us, don't worry. You can catch up on all the juicy details if you go right back to the start of season one. We're on a mission to create a vibrant community for individuals embracing a sober lifestyle. Our vision is to shatter stereotypes and prove that a life without alcohol is full of joy, laughter and exhilarating adventures. So join us as we break the chains and show the world that you can experience true happiness and fulfillment alcohol free. Together we'll explore the highs, the lows and the everyday adventures that come with living alcohol free. Whether you're thinking about going sober, supporting a loved one or simply curious about the possibilities, we're here to share stories of self-discovery and growth. So grab your favourite non-alcoholic drink, kick back and get ready for honest chats, personal tales and a whole lot of inspiration. Join us as we redefine what it means to live a vibrant, fulfilling life without alcohol. Welcome to Be Sober, the podcast that proves sobriety is a cause for celebration. Hiya. Hi. <laughs> In it worked. That was so funny. We had to both press record at the same time and it was like a really big thing. <laughs> it is a big thing because this is the first time in a long time we've recorded video but it is members only so you'll actually get us to see get us to see you'll actually get to see us make all our mistakes and <laughs> do all our shit yeah <laughs> members only get the uncut unedited version without the ads <laughs> but if you're hearing this on the podcast then hi <laughs> You're still important to us, honest. <laughs> yeah, you are. But come and be a member. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come over. You don't know what you're missing. You're missing unedited videos of me and Lisa bumbling along. <laughs> so, so it's a bit is... weird for me and Lisa because oh, it's episode on. two, but we're doing episode two before episode one. So we're a little bit, is this a good word? Discombobulated? Is that a good oh, word? That, that's a really good word. I don't know if it's real. I heard you it You couldn't once. say that if, you, if you'd had a few, could you? <laughs> no, I would be very discombobulated if I'd had a few. Um, so we've got um, a couple of guests on today. I'm, I'm not actually going to say too much about them, apart from that they are two GPs who have opened their own lifestyle health clinic. That's the name of it. And they're Laura and Katie, they're doctors. And I just want you to learn about them from them. Um, so that's kind of the introduction now. But that's who we've got on. And the reason I'm telling you that now is because I actually am also, as well as I work with them as a PT, I'm also a patient of theirs now. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to declare that you was now a doctor too. <laughs> Well, I am a doctor. No, I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> my I bet everybody else thought the same, like, God, what has she studied now? What has she done now? How has she done that? Do you know what? My family think I'm a doctor. Whenever there's something wrong with any of them, right? Because I've got a biology degree, they think I'm a, they think I'm a medic. And, <laughs> and whenever there's anything wrong with anyone or they've got a medication, they want to know the side effects of. Instead of reading the leaflet, right? I'm going to tell you a little hack here. They send me their medication. And then oh, they send me it. their stuff and then I Google it and I sound <laughs> well clever. <laughs> no, they know I do that. But seriously, because they don't understand a lot of the leaflets and stuff, they do. They ask me all medical advice and I'm like, well, I'm not a doctor. But honestly, did I ever tell you about... Does everybody um, read the leaflets? 
Like I never ever read the leaflet for anything that I take. Well, that's why you have medical trouble, like I losing things in random places. No, I actually I don't have medical trouble. I might have of something very important which has now been found. <laughs> Let's Let's talk about that because you've had a bit of a, a you've had a bit of an ordeal, really, haven't you? I have had an ordeal. Um, so this we're talking about menopause and stuff today, so it will go hopefully with the theme of the show. Um, but yeah, my coil. I went to have my coil removed and replaced as part of my HRT. I was so excited about it, and because time. she don't want her own baby that's going to be younger than a grandchild, obviously. Well, without giving too much info, I don't actually need birth control because... Oh, right. Okay, shush. <laughs> <laughs> My partner's dealt with that. Good. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted it for my HRT and I could tell by the way I was feeling in my moods that there was something amiss. And when I checked, my coil had been in for over the amount of time. So I'd gone to get it... Um, swiftly removed and replaced or so I thought so I get there and she's like there's no coil here which I thought was really weird because the week before I'd had my smear test and she said she could see the strings from my coil this is so much she stole your coil (laughs) do you never check your own strings like have a feel no why not? Because you don't do that because it's gross. It with my, yeah, it's my own body. No! God, you don't, you don't read leaflet. Look, she's all hot. And you don't read leaflet. See, they tell you to do a check after six weeks and then to check it monthly. That's what I mean. Right, great, lovely. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I'm actually sweating at Tells you moment. to do that in the leaflet, Lisa. It's so bad. Like, any of our listeners will know I've got such a good imagination, right? So now, not only do I imagine me checking for my own strings, I see you doing it, and that is not all right in my Can eyes. Can I just clarify that she doesn't see me doing it? Just in case you missed the imagination bit, I have never checked my coil strings <laughs> in front of Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> but I do check them because oh, no. I don't want to lose it. Anyway, they found it, haven't they? <laughs> well, if they're not there, you're going to have lost it. So checking them is not going to make a difference. No, but at least I'd know. But anyway, but they found yours. Yes. So I had to wait for ages. I've had to try the HRT that I didn't want to try and I've gone on the tablets and blah, blah, blah. It was a really big... And at the time, I was really struggling with menopausal symptoms, mm-hmm. anxiety, depression, all like everything that comes with it. So I was really keen to get like this sorted. Anyway, I went and they said it's not there. And I was like, oh my God. So I marched to my doctor and I'm like, I need something. I need something. (laughs) Do you know what she said to me? My doctor, I'm fuming at this actually. (laughs) I am. (laughs) This is Lisa's delayed reaction. (laughs) Yeah, like months later. Um, I can't even believe she said it. And all right, we all know I might be a bit ADHD, but my coil has gone missing in my body and I really needed progesterone. I'd been I'd been waiting for that moment. So I might just went to my doctor and she was like, oh, we ain't got any appointments. I'm like, you've got to, you've got to have one. You don't understand. I've really waited for this for ages. <laughs> I walked in and I said to the doctor, because she got me an appointment that day. She must have like felt my, she must have like really related to my hormonal issues. I'm wondering what she's felt. <laughs> so not my coil, not my strings. <laughs> so I goes in to the doctor and I said, I'm really concerned because I really wanted the progesterone and I've been holding on for it. She said, all right, wind your neck in. Oh. That, that is what Alex, my heart is palpitating now. 
fucking wind your neck in she said well she didn't say the f word i'm saying that because i can't believe she said it you really say yes. wind your neck in? yeah but i've tried to wind your neck in here get you your head in your shoulders i've found <laughs> out since because i did a few like menopause meetups in my local village there was another girl and she was telling the story she also had a missing coil and she said oh she said my doctor said this and she's well adhd this girl um and the doctor had said to her wind your neck in and when she said it I went oh she said that to me and you I was, need to say something I was so relieved is this awful that she'd said it to somebody else because yeah. I weren't just like I weren't mad I was mad that she'd said it but I was really embarrassed about myself that she'd made me feel really embarrassed that I'd bit were being irate and I didn't think I were being irate but part of me honestly I'm not even joking but like if my doctor spoke to me like that, she'd have to wind her neck out. I'd hit her that hard on the head. Well, <laughs> oh, you, I don't think you'd be happy with my doctor because the other week I, I rang because I wanted some of that um, gels of joy, as one of our members calls it. Right? <laughs> so I, try, I tried um, wanging some of that out of my doctor. Saying, Will you be careful what words you use? Gosh! <laughs> well, I just thought, right, I'll get it. But prevention's better than cure, right? So yeah. I thought I'll get it before before it starts happening and going dry down there. Vaginal so, atrophy. Let's get these words out. Thank you. So yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought oh, I'll get it. So I had a telephone appointment. Do you know what she told me to do? Did she tell you to wind your neck in? Because I'll go and get her. <laughs> no. She started to tell me how to loosen up before sex, right? And suggested that I had a glass of wine. We need to have a conversation with the with Laura and Katie about this, right? I, I really know. think we need to ask. Do um, how, can I ask you how old is she roughly? Is she in the menopause or perimenopause? I think probably. Or is she twelve? I think post. I think oh, is post. She? Yeah, so, I think. Uh, that's, that's, that's interesting because yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah. having been through it you'd think she'd have a bit more understanding although well, some women don't actually really suffer they just think it's part of life well they don't well, it suffer is part of life. and some people like when I look at my grandma when well not now quite stoic yeah. but like <laughs> don't right. say things like that because now I'm going to laugh and I look like a cow <laughs> I've just nearly died oh <gasps> Alex, no, no, you know what I mean. <laughs> nearly coughing, but um, no, but she didn't. They're speak quite about stoic. It. They're quite yeah. stoic, aren't they? They, they are quite. That stoic. is the so, word. Yeah, that's yeah. a good word. Stoic. Yeah, I've come up with two good words today, Anna. My doctor's stoic. She's just a bitch. Anyway, I hope these two aren't. Lorena now. No, Laura and Katie. Well, one of them's here, but Laura and Katie are both lovely and I can't wait for you to meet them as well. So um, let's let them in, shall we? Should we see yeah. what happens? Yeah. I hope they know that I'm leaving the camera on because then they might be dead stoic about it. <laughs> <laughs> like that one time guest that we had. <laughs> oh, that was awful. Don't. Let's not talk about that. Let's see what happens. Let's see. Who oh, sweaty. Oh. Something oh, they're both here. Yay! Hi, <laughs> Well, we're already recording, so we're just giving you the warning. Now, we've just been talking about stoicism and people like who are older and post-menopausal and how they deal with it differently to maybe people who are coming into perimenopause now. But before we get back to that and involve you in that, I just want to... Can you introduce yourself so that, look, first of all, Lisa's not met you, has she? No, nice to meet you, Lisa. Hi, lovely to meet you. I've heard so much about you both as well. 
Likewise. <laughs> oh, God. Talking. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Tell, introduce yourselves. Okay, so I'm um, Katie and this is Laura. Uh, we're both doctors with GPs and we are co-founders and the doctors that run the Lifestyle Health Clinic. So, hey, Lisa. Hi. <laughs> you Do you know what? There's so many things I relate to with both of you as you know we've had this conversation lots of times and hence the reason that Lisa knows loads about you and um one of one of the big things when I first found you because it was really weird how we found each other I sent you a message I think on Facebook Mm -hmm. and around the same time you sent me a message on Instagram neither of us realized that the other had sent a message and then it just kind of came about but what I love is the two the two of you have set up something and obviously the two of us as best friends have set up something it just feels really like it does it feels like you know that we get it and we get what it's like to to work with a friend to the (laughs) colleague and um and to have like a little female team that's trying to do something really um quite empowering and um and to find like other organizations like you that, that's doing that and understands that is I just think it's such a been a such a lovely connection for us. Definitely. You know what's funny for us, um one of the funny friend things was at the beginning, this was never our proper job. Okay. So it was never our proper job. We we both have proper jobs. <laughs> but this is also a proper job now. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's probably it's, taken over from your other job as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It does. Because you are both GPs in the NHS as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we both still work in the NHS. Yeah, we both do two days a week NHS and the rest of the time we do the Lifestyle Health Clinic. So yeah, yeah so five days a week, the Lifestyle Health Clinic, two days a week, the NHS. And then in between that, we're parents yeah. and wives. with five, <laughs> five children between us. Oh That's my like gosh. We've got six between us, haven't we? And a grandchild, six children and a grandchild. Oh, well, not, not there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why is your neck in, Alex? <laughs> I love I love being a grandma. <laughs> She's like the coolest, youngest grandma in the world. Yes, so, yes. Glamorous granny. <laughs> Let's not push it now. <laughs> With the granny name. Let's we just met. <laughs> uh, we tried so many things. What did I say? That, that What did I try and call you? A glamma? And you were like, no, don't ever call me that God, again. Oh, it's it's been really hard work for me, this. Like, I spent the first month of my poor grandchild's life calling her my daughter's daughter. Coming oh. <laughs> to terms with it. Yeah. It's what are you called now? What's your name? What, do you, what have you chosen? I, well, I'm Lisa to everybody else, but to my granddaughter, I'm grandma. Grandma. <laughs> She's yeah. made it really clear in Be Sober that nobody's allowed to call a grandma. But why would they? Because I'm not their grandma. (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) So Lisa and I, right, so let's just go personal because I have actually just said that I've been, I've come to you as well and I wanted to tell you something funny that happened to me which I've not shared with you. So all my HRT, I had my coil fitted for my progesterone. I had my spray for my estrogen. And one of the symptoms, several of the symptoms, I'm quite happy to talk about this. So several symptoms that I were experiencing and suffering from, and I didn't realise until just now how bad it was, is I had quite low energy. My shoulders were aching every single morning when I was waking up. And as you know, I do a lot of fitness and low libido. Okay. And there's another, that's three words I've used now, Lisa, in the correct context. I'm doing well. I know, for listeners like me, she means she didn't have a sex drive. (laughs) 
<laughs> Which is how I normally If nobody's it, understanding so. Alex's posh words, she's read a thesaurus before you two come on. I know her. <laughs> Medi- medical dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm feeling my this now. So... So I, I went on to the testosterone and I, obviously I, I know we're not going to the detail of all of this, but it's quite, um, it's a rare, I'm going to call it a rare prescription because not everybody gets prescribed testosterone, do they? Not every woman does. And it's not, am I right in saying it's not even licensed for women in the UK at all? No testosterone. Yeah, that's right. right. No, there's no product licensed for women, yeah. And not everybody needs it. That, that's, you know, it yeah. is really valuable, but there's only some people that, that do need it. Yeah. So when you get to a certain point, you can have certain tests done that determine whether you need it and then you try it and so on. And obviously you need to go for your own advice if you want to know any more about it. But my funny story is this. So it comes in a tube and you get a little syringe with it to take out a very, very tiny amount and then you rub it. And I know I asked you some really awkward questions, Katie, about where I can rub this cream. I'm just going to see where you've been rubbing it. So, no, I did ask her some very complicated, well, not complicated, but awkward questions. Can I rub it here? Can I rub it there? She's like, rub it somewhere where you're fatty. Like, okay, right. That's not a problem. Anyway. Right, so now we actually want to know where you've rubbed it. <laughs> where are we going with it? Right. It, this, none of this is anything to do with it, actually. So what happened was um, the first day I got it with my very valuable tube, um, I tried to squeeze it by pulling the syringe and of course none came in it. So I put it on in my thigh and nothing came out. Just rubbing air Yeah, so I, I did it again and it took me ages basically in front of the window at like five o'clock in the morning before work to get this tiny amount of testosterone on me. So the next day I came up with a plan which was that I was going to put the syringe in the tube and gently squeeze the tube. Well, of course, it exploded off the top and 30 quid's worth of testosterone went up my window. (laughs) Scraping it off with a teaspoon and re-jarring it. So I've had it. It's taken me a while, this. It's fiddly and it does get, it does take some getting used to, definitely. And that's, that's the, that's the imported version. The other ones are even worse than the the ones that you. The packets and the sachets. The men's one, it comes in sachets, doesn't it? And you have to like measure it out into little blobs. Yeah, an eighth and a tenth yeah. of a sachet. So yeah, it's even trickier than than the one that you've got. Yeah. Oh, Harbour and Kate, can I just ask you, just for any listeners um, that Kate might Kate. not know, well, oh, Katie, Kate. sorry, Katie, Lauren, Katie. <laughs> I've brought Katie down. It's because it's not on your little box. <laughs> <laughs> Would one of you mind kind of explaining what exactly menopause is and what women can expect during this stage of their lives? Because I, like many others, um, I actually thought this would never affect me and I, and I had no idea what to expect. So is it all right if you just kind of explain that? A little bit. Absolutely. So, yeah, to put it in context, so it's a stage of life where women have had periods and you know we've been ovulating and we have periods every month and then the, the then as the estrogen levels are going down but they're going down in a up and down way if you like um you start to get symptoms and so menopause is basically quite a basic definition is, is to do with your period stopping but you don't really know that you are until you've had a long gap and then once you've had 12 months then you can see that you're, say, a lady is postmenopausal. Um, but for uh, the context of symptoms, the symptoms can predate that changing periods in terms of how they um, are regular and, and your cycles for up to 
what, 10 years? Yeah, 10 it's years. Some women it can be. Um, and that's called the perimenopause. And unfortunately, it's not a case of just waking up one day and looking at your cycle and tracking going, yep, yeah, I'm in it. That's it. Now I know. It's because it can be so uncertain and so variable that that's why the kind of varying experiences, varying treatments, varying approaches can happen in terms of um, each individual's experience yeah. of their of their situation. We always say that no no two people's menopause and perimenopause are the same. You know, you'll you'll speak to friends and colleagues and relatives and people will sail through it with no symptoms and people will really struggle and some people will be debilitated by one symptom and others by others. So there's no it's no one size fits all. Everybody is very different. And a lot of people are misdiagnosed, aren't they, for that reason? Like the number of women I speak to who have been put on antidepressants before yeah. they've realised that it's not antidepressants they need. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, is that um, there isn't a black and white uh, moment where you, where you just know. And there's so many other medical conditions um, or ways of living that can either worsen or mimic the symptoms that it does need a bit of thought and consideration to look all around that situation to see if there's anything else is going on, what else is going on and, and what can be done. We'll get back to our chat shortly, but first, let us tell you about Be Sober. At Be Sober, you'll find a supportive community of like-minded people who understand and support you. Energise your mind and body with our fitness sessions. Discover the power of mindfulness with Be Sober Yoga. Engage in vibrant discussions, workshops and support groups with thriving Zooms. Be Sober really is the ultimate community, whether you're sober for a short time, contemplating it, or have long-term goals of making meaningful connections. It's a place where you can find your tribe and create lasting friendships. Take the first step towards an empowered and connected sober lifestyle. Join us today at BeSoberOfficial.com. So what are some of the common symptoms then? So, I mean, the classic ones that people often think of is the hot the hot flushes and the night sweats and things, but not all women get those. So, other common ones are um, anxiety and depression, as Alex has spoken about. So, quite often people will be um, sort of you know, diagnosed with anxiety and depression and put on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications. Um, it can cause, basically, you've got estrogen receptors all over your body from your head to your toes. So, it can cause anything and everything uh, other common symptoms are sort of um, palpitations um, obviously we said the heat regulation the temperature control poor sleep so people struggle either to get to sleep or waking up frequently during the night it has a big effect down below around the genital and urinary areas so it can cause recurrent water infections uh, pain and discomfort dryness during sex just dryness around the vagina itching um, palpit heart palpitations bowel upset worsening or first presentations of irritable bowel syndrome you know it literally it can cause anything and everything and sometimes it takes somebody to take a step back look at all the symptoms that somebody might be presenting with and try and join the dots and think hang on could this be hormonal yeah because I suppose would you often find that women around a certain age then are kind of going to the doctors a lot more often for all these different different things yeah I mean there, there's a proportion of women that won't have symptoms at all and and that's fine and will do very well um, but there are you know it's a spectrum so and you'll get women at the other end of the spectrum that will have symptoms and because they perhaps not might not be the ones that are most talked about they could be sat in a room not thinking it's perimenopause or menopause. The doctor might not be thinking that because it, they're just 
um, talking about that one isolated symptom and it can take a while for the dots to kind of join and for somebody to say hang on a minute you, you came with this this and this let's think is there anything more to that and as education changes both medically and for um, an individual that self-education which is you know what we're so passionate about is that if everybody can just be a little bit more informed it's just one step closer to understanding what's going on and taking away that bit of uncertainty that I think it's it's the how frightening it can be and how um, dramatic um, and severe the symptoms can be can make it really extreme for some um, and quite debilitating um, versus somebody that, that might not have any symptoms at all and, and that, that, that's how it can be so tricky. I, I um, think as well it doesn't help and I know we've, we've chatted but me and Lisa have chatted about this all the information leaflets are still in the process of being updated since yeah. years ago I when know. we were told yeah I mean because we were told years, you know, I remember my mum take getting rid of her patches because she yeah. was so frightened of getting cancer yeah. and then struggling like mad while smoking 20 cigarettes a day and yeah. drinking a bottle of wine a weekend do you know what I mean so yeah. And, and I think I'm right in saying, please correct me if I'm wrong, that there's actually more risk of a, a glass of wine a day giving you cancer than there is of using HRT and developing cancer. Am I right in saying that? You're talking about, you're talking about specifically, that's breast cancer, certainly. So yes. anybody who drinks more than two units a day of alcohol or is overweight, they're the two biggest risk factors for, um, for breast cancer. Uh, whereas, obviously, people jump on the bandwagon of being worried about HRT where, you know, we can't say there's no risk of breast cancer, but the risk is much smaller. And that's why we're so passionate. You know, we're the Lifestyle Health Clinic. We we sort of deal with lifestyle as well as as sort of medical side of things because not all people realise sort of the impact their lifestyle is having on their, you know, the chronic health and, and conditions and menopausal symptoms, you know, hormone issues. You know, your lifestyle plays a massive part and often it's just not not dealt with properly and that really does need tackling. That's that's where we come into play. So, this so is do real. you not, I genuinely don't know that, do you not always go straight down the let's prescribe something then? Are you sometimes saying, look, go and do some exercise or look, cut oh, out yeah. your smoking? All the time, hundred percent. Yeah, because it's a sticking plaster approach to you know to say that you know you could treat something with a medication in any you know menopause is a kind of a longer term phase um, for a woman to live in. You know, we live up to a third of our lives after menopause now as women in terms of life expectancy, and so if you're if you're not looking at what's contributing to the symptoms, whether that's blood pressure, menopause headaches, stress, migraine, then it really you've not, all you've done is th thought about the here and the now, that particular problem at that particular point in time. And, you know, some women can manage their symptoms completely well without any HRT. And that's completely fine. And we support that 100% because, you know, if somebody's drinking less or exercising more and their symptoms are much less severe, they sleep better, it all starts fitting into place. So, you know it's there if you need it but it's definitely not the answer to everything for sure can we talk about the alcohol then consumption yeah. and menopause and perhaps the impacts that has on menopausal women i opened um a facebook group a while ago for um people going through perimenopause menopause whatever and um it was as part of be sober but it wasn't necessarily a, a sober menopause group and one of the things that i definitely did notice is how often women tell each other to have a glass of wine um so can we kind of let's 
we just discussed it, didn't we, as well, Lisa? You were actually told by your own I, GP I was to wind your neck in and go and have a glass of wine when yeah. you went. Oh my gosh! Oh, wow. Only the other week, I w- I've said it earlier in this. Um, I'd spoken. I was after um, some gel for down there, <laughs> and I she had can't say words. Some she can't say the words. They go, oh, I've she can't said say it. tampons. She can't <laughs> say tampons. Honestly. <laughs> I do struggle with this (laughs) Um, but I tried explaining that to the doctor that I found it really hard to have this conversation on the phone because I was I had to say certain like things right and I'm uncomfortable with it I don't know why I I, I just am so I find it easier to have a face-to-face appointment and point to things and kind of go like this right it's just easier for me so when I was telling her that and I was after this gel which I didn't get she said she kind of went through this thing of how I can ease myself into sex and I was like oh no that's not the problem I'm in a quite a newish relationship we're absolutely fine I just would rather prevent Um, and she said and she'd said about having a glass of wine you should just have a glass of wine Oh my goodness. Um, I was like, (gasps) wow. Wow. I mean, this this is the issue, you know, sort of uh, around this time of life, sort of, you know, early to mid 40s upwards, you know, there's a lot of stress in life, isn't there? You know, we're all busy, we're all trying to hold down full time jobs, we've all got young families and looking after parents and grandparents and there's so much stress in life that the automatic thing for a lot of people, because it's so ingrained in our culture, is to reach for that glass of wine at the end of a busy day. And, you know, one glass quickly turns into two glasses, quickly turns into half a bottle. Yeah. And it's sort of used as a way to to unwind and to relax. But the, Sorry, go on. And also, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's also framed as a treat. Like we deserve, yeah. uh, you know, I've earned that. And, you know, yeah. and that's the kind of mindset that people are coming to decide to offset um, hard work and stress um, is part of that but it, you know in terms of how it's perceived it, it, I think that generates that um, that culture of you know you should and it's what it's what you do yeah but the problem with that is that obviously you then drink drink more and then you sleep rubbish so you wake up the next morning with a bit of a hangover you get up and start your day feeling a bit groggy then you're reaching for the caffeine to wake you up you're reaching for the sugary food to try and give you a pick me up which yeah. causes your peaks and troughs of your sugar cycle which is just makes you feel even worse your cravings get worse you have a rubbish day at work you get home from work and what do you do you reach for that glass of wine again just to try and unwind again and it just it just and what you know we always ask our patients uh, as part of their pre pre-appointment questionnaire about their alcohol intake how many drinks you have and i love that question I just wanted to know why I loved that question (laughs) but it was how you know how much and how many days of the week you drink and sometimes just that when patients come to see us and we go through everything the questionnaire it's like an eye-opener for them because they don't realize sort of you know oh my god I've written down what I'm drinking and actually it's frightening for them because you you just get into that habit don't you? you don't really think about it and before you know it you're having sort of three two three bottles of wine a week and you know it Sometimes just that is enough for them to think, I really need to do something about this. This isn't good. Um, I think it's a standard joke as well in kind of our sober group that how much people used to lie to the doctor about what they were drinking. Yeah. <laughs> so, when asked that question, like, I don't think many people really do tell the truth. <laughs> I knew it was like 14 units. Honestly, I knew it was 14 units. So I would always say 12. Or, yeah, I didn't yeah. even count them up. I just wanted to be under it. 
it's all the places when people people fill out a questionnaire and it's like oh you know uh how many how many drinks do you have a week or something they'll put something down and when you unpick it in the actual appointment they have underestimated it massively because yeah. you know you just do don't you you want you to measure at home no. where people, you know no. you know since covid as well a lot more people are socializing at home still and the measurement so i often say to patients or when they're here we say or a glass or whatever but i say well, actually how many bottles do you do you go through it in a week in terms of like when do you open one and actually it's like well you have your weekday bottle perhaps they might say and then actually then there's the friday and the saturday night bottles and it's classified as a different thing and it's, it's quite tricky to you know people have got a lot of embarrassment around talking about yeah. it a sense yeah, of failure um and you know feel shame like being, feel like being judged yeah they? absolutely yeah. It's a, a big section of what we do um, is talking about that. But then actually, it's not just about saying, well, can you try and drink a bit less? It's actually like, well, why are you drinking? Like, what's happening during the day? Actually, your, your work life is really bad and you're really stressed at work. You don't move all day long. You're glued to a computer because you have to be. And, you know, you've not eaten very well either because of whatever. So if you get back to kind of root cause, it's often fueled by something else anyway. And so that's what you need to look at. And then you can work on everything else. Um, but that also, as you were going back to what you said, Lisa, about as women, we're enablers, aren't we? Yeah. Like, we you know, we, it's a culture of, of doing it with friends. And, and, you know, we've got patients that come to us and and they, they probably don't know, but there's a groups of patients that come to us and they all know each other. And they're all being told and we're all discussing them all. I think probably some of your symptoms or your weight gain is partly contributed to by alcohol and consumption. And, you know, but they're all, they're all, they've all been told separately that actually we need to work on that. But then they're all meeting up still. Hang on a minute. (laughs) What's going on there? Because I've told you all the same. So It's like nine units in a bottle though, isn't there? Nine units. Yeah, ten and a half units in a bottle. Is that how many are? Ten and a half. So that like... Standard strength, yeah. Yeah, if you're having one glass of wine, one bottle of wine over a week, you pretty much hit your weekly limit. But I know for me, I was never having one a week. I mean, that's just, that was never enough. Do you know what I mean? It's also, it's not, you know, people think, oh, I've not got a problem with alcohol. And it's not, yeah. we're, not we're not talking to the, you know, the ones that would classify themselves as problem drinkers or alcoholics. You know, you're not, you're not waking up in the morning jittery and shaky and reaching for the bottle of wine. Mm. It's the, what we sort of class as the middle road drinkers. So, you know, the ones that it has slowly crept up over time and that, you know, it, it is starting to have an impact on how you feel and, and your life choices. and things. Yeah, choices. Yeah, in the, in the sober world, they're grey area drinkers. I don't know if you've heard that yeah, term, yeah, but yeah, yeah. they're grey area drinkers where they, they they're not a problem drinker but drinking is a problem for them absolutely and we yeah. do a lot of work with our community on because often and, and this was definitely true for me and I think I, I think it's safe to say true for Lisa as well that when you are brought up with people who drink you mm-hmm. learn that that's how to cope that's yeah. how to celebrate that's how to grieve that's how to yeah. whatever de-stress um so you don't actually learn the tools to do yeah. that so you, you find yourself in your 40s not drinking and then you think well how am I going to feel sad now be like because yeah. like I don't, don't know how I'm going to soothe my sadness yeah. you don't know how to do it so you drink or you eat and then you, you've got to relearn how to yeah, do that I guess that's what you're doing, so, such a, a valuable point in terms of you know it, uh, 
it can feel very restrictive for someone medically to say, you know, yeah. I really think this is having an impact, and you know, it's we're doing a disservice if we don't if we don't talk about it and, and bring it into yeah. the conversation. But actually, it's not about restricting. It's about well, what else can you do? What what else is there? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of other ways that are full of enjoyment and celebration, but it's just that we've not learned that can be conditioned in different ways haven't we it's changing the conversation conversation isn't it i was at the gym um the other week and there was a conversation with a woman who and she'd gone and she was really hungover and um she'd said how many gin and tonics she had and the gym instructor was like oh no wonder you're hungover and the woman next to her was like yeah but she's got quite a few foster kids and kids at home um so everyone was like oh and even the instructor was like oh that's all right then and I just and I find it really hard to be in these situations you know where I'm not got a role then I'm just sat there going <laughs> to say something yeah yeah i find it so you do usually speak up don't you actually yeah yeah Yeah. i'm I'm not as bad as i I did used to always speak up but even like i joined um a new uh i joined slimming world again last week um because just wanted meal ideas and things like that and there was some women sat there and they'd done they'd all like put on half a pound here and there and the the reason that they'd done it is because they'd had to get together because they'd done a a of afternoon tea for cancer research well, yeah. and then they were all laughing about how many bottles had been opened between them all so they'd all been sat there drinking all night for this cancer research thing and, I, and I'm sat there oh, like oh my god do you know how many types of cancer alcohol causes and and I've got it just weren't the right environment for me to pop up and say it but I was like oh for goodness sake yeah it's just you know think about like the the money side of things and the justification and how you have generally speaking culturally we egg each other on with drinking traditionally um but I think it's only when you stop and think actually what else is at risk here so relationships finances health wellness achievement things like that that actually how ingrained it's become it really can be quite um it's very visible isn't it and it's important to, to come at it from that angle as well it's not us preaching saying stop yeah. drinking is bad for you it's right what can you gain by not drinking or not even not drinking cutting down you know sort of you'll you'll feel better you'll have more energy you'll have more money you know you'll be able to do more with your day you'll be more productive at work you know just just it'll have a knock-on effect you'll have better sleep so therefore you'll be able to lose weight easier you'll make better food choices when you're not hungover you know there's so many positives not to reducing your alcohol intake that that that's where that's the angle we need to and we do come at rather than preaching and telling them off because that's not what we're there for you know we're there to support them yeah and i think like you said before when a doctor says it it, it feels a little bit harsher, a little bit harder. Nice People, yeah, yeah, it does. It must be really hard for you to kind of find that balance. Because I know for a fact, if I'd have gone to the doctors and even like, saying it like that which is what I now say to people I would have found that really difficult for a doctor to say be like all right (laughs) mind your neck in (laughs) it's been the theme I know both of you have got appointments and it was pushed for time and I really genuinely don't feel like we've had enough time to dig into what even more things that I want to talk to you about and Lisa does 
But what I do want to get across to our listeners is, and we have a heck of a lot of women, and if you're a man and you're still here listening, well done. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you. (laughs) But for, for, you know, for you two is to actually just share a little bit about, a bit more about the Lifestyle Health Clinic, you know, what's next, where are you, how can people get in touch? Because one thing that I love, I keep saying one thing I love, everything I love is your core values around this. And it genuinely is about looking after women at the moment looking after women I'm saying at the moment that's a little just presuming you stay with women but, you know looking after women and having women and health at the center of your values with the lifestyle health clinic so there's not really a question I just want you to share yeah. so, so yeah so we as I say we, we're both the doctors that, that you'll see if you come to see us at the lifestyle health clinic we're all about looking at you as a whole person um, so not just um, your symptoms that you come with you know we address the whole of your lifestyle from your alcohol intake as we talked about from your what you're eating and your eating habits how physically active you are sort of your social connections your mental health and well-being you know we look at the whole picture and, and sort of give your help and support and and it's about sort of um changing behaviors and helping you guide and support with sort of behavioral changes and how to do that so it's not just as say, saying right stop drinking or reduce your alcohol intake we look at sort of ways that, that you could do that um the appointments when you come and see us we have the the sort of the 45 minute initial appointment so we've got the time to listen and half the time that's what what patients go away saying thank you so much for listening you know that's the first time anybody's sort of sat down and listened to all my concerns and and looked at me as a person and that's sort of that's our ethos um so so the appointment's nice and long um and we just take the time to get to know you and the recommendations that we try and make are realistic um so things that you know we take into account you work and the hours you work and how you get to work and try and suggest things that are, are doable um and, and realistic i think the we'd say is that we've got our patients backs so we're we're women we're working women we're mums we are living similarly to a lot of the people that we see and over 90 percent of our patients will come and there is inevitably some form of mental health uh, symptom or factor that's contributing, whether it's early trauma um, earlier on in their life um, that has conditioned their choices and how they deal with things in terms of habits, um, eating habits, stress habits, exercise, whatever. And by addressing those things and going back a little bit, it helps us look ahead so we're not just reacting to the here and now it's about future health and education you know it's a it's a shared agreement when we see our patients that we spend as much time educating and learning uh, with them um as you know telling and informing and making a plan together because if people understand the reasoning for something then those changes are easier to make and it's about enabling them to commit so once one thing is is um, aligned and committed to and they've kept that promise to themselves to make some sort of development the next little bit's just a bit easier it's about every day getting up and sticking to that one little thing but one change makes another change so we think of it as steps you know, it takes a whole load of steps to make a staircase and you won't go straight to the top but just by adding those little bits on that one change then can make a difference kind of here and now present health but it's future health as well i hope i'm not being too forward in saying this but you've you're very accessible aren't you for whatever you know for people generally most people can can access your 
services. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're based in the Northwest um, and that's how we know you, Alex. But, you know, we consult with patients all over the country um, by virtual consultations, if that's what they wish um, to do. But we do have patients traveling to see us, which you know that's a compliment to us and that's lovely it's a shame in in some aspects that we we are um you know in the location we are means that people need to travel but um it's it's growing and we'll see where things go and take us and our talks we you know for patients that can't access private health care and it's not for everybody we spend a lot of our time developing education events and meetings so that we can deliver that um, knowledge so they can then access healthcare a bit more informed and a bit wiser to know which direction they need to go in and have more equal partnership and a consultation with whoever they see. I've just got a couple of quick questions before you do go. First one, I really want you to be my doctors. Like, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I told you, I told you, you one of them as your doctors. I know. Which, so will you be a uh, doctors is question one but, and when is question two? Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it's kind of related actually, is because if I was listening to this, I would definitely want you to be my doctor. So how do I get you to be my doctor? If you've said about doing for virtual calls and things like that so that is something that you offer and are you able to kind of then um do the prescriptions and things like that yeah so we we can we can see people in person um at the moment in bramall um in the northwest or we can do video consultations and you can book those appointments directly on our website mm-hmm. uh, so it's the lifestyle um, that all the appointments and all the prices are on there. Um, we offer all patients uh, a free 15-minute uh, consultation on the phone first for them to tell us about what they're looking for and their symptoms and just check that we're the right service for them before they commit to any appointments or anything. Um, and that helps, sorry to interrupt, that helps patients um, prepare because sometimes they'll come to us from other services or they've um, had a consultation or a health check at work and they've got a pack of blood tests with results or a letter from somebody and it just means that when if they do go and come and see us or book a full appointment we've got as much of the information ready and and there to go and it just helps I think it can be quite nerve-wracking for patients to come and see a new healthcare professional and just having that dialogue on the phone um, just opens up the door I think and actually a lot of patients say that that just then helps them kind of get their cards aligned yeah, you know, yeah. preparing for appointments there's no um shame in writing down before you go and see a doctor or a healthcare professional having a list or getting your thoughts together because it can feel a bit pressured and overwhelming yeah, yeah, can't yeah. it so that's where we feel quite strongly about offering that 15 minutes of just chatting first of all so they know us and that's always with one of us as well it's not with you know a, a non-clinical member of staff it's, it's always with us and can I, I just say, because I want to add to that, that, having done it, having done, been the patient on the receiving end, and I genuinely mean this from the bottom of my heart, what a, an amazing and comfortable experience it was with both yeah. of you, genuinely. <laughs> I, you know I scream about you from the rooftops anyway. I'm always referring people over your way. Hopefully you get that filter at your side. But I mean that, bottom of my heart. Oh. An absolutely wonderful experience. Oh, thank you, Alex. That's really kind. But likewise, it's about working collaboratively. I think, you know, some of the people that we've, we work with in terms of the fitness sector and other organisations, oh, and we didn't think a doctor would be interested in what we do. Like, of course we're all joined up together so whether it's yeah. yoga pilates um nutritionists uh, counseling coaching personal so trainers part of the picture it's all it? part yeah. of what's yeah. available and about designing a way of, of 
just empowering somebody to think oh, I could try that I could dip my toe in that and see if that works for me and it's different for everybody and you know we came to to try out with you Alex so that we understand what how you work and it's about education you educated us that day and you know we've got a lot to learn and people are like, yeah, that oh, was I fun I can't remember whose face it was that we were laughing at. I think it was you and me Katie laughing at yeah. whatever it was in it but you know I I, I acknowledge that but I, I always feel better for doing it and you know, we, we have to you know it feels like it's easy for you because you know better but actually we still have to work at dragging each other along and doing things and that's why we exercise more in group settings so that's us and it it floats our boat that commitment and that that setting but it's about working across different organizations and sectors and, and opening up those doors that people know what's out there really you know what it makes me feel like my doctors is so fashioned like you <laughs> that's what I feel like now like you two seem to just have it all it's all about everything the big picture the health the wellness the mental health the physical the inside everything. The, yeah everything that's what I love about it. it's giving me goose pimples in fact I want to go and tell wow. my doctor to come and see no. sorry no there's so many people out there doing you know trying and working really hard and i guess for us it, we i feel really lucky that lifestyle medicine has a label in in, in essence yeah. and it, it's empowered us to think a little bit differently you know in the rat race of 10 minute appointments less than 10 minutes you know if it takes you it depends where your room is and the waiting room is you've lost a minute there and back it can be so challenging and that you know we, we work in that environment but I feel really lucky that we've had the opportunities to educate ourselves and yeah. learn more and, and to go off and look at women's health in more detail and, and bring in lifestyle medicine with that and, and to provide a, a service that never started out to be just women's health no, no. Today, but it, it's evolved into that that we you know as women we see but we women. should probably add that we're not just so no. the women you know we do we do see men and we have seen men so uh not about menopause and perimenopause no. but no lifestyle lifestyle medicine comes into play with all chronic diseases so your high blood pressures your high cholesterols your diabetes you know anything really anybody who wants to to improve their general health it's um it's about so you are, I, I falsely advertise you katie and said you were just for women you know i apologize no. you are no. for men and women yeah, and separately when you come back on our podcast or live, I want to ask you something else about that, but I'm going to leave it because I know, I know you've got appointments and we're keeping you longer than I promised. <laughs> and and I'm and we don't want you being late and people sat in that waiting room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 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 you running late. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, honestly, both of you for coming on. Really, really Thanks for listening and yeah. we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Oh, yeah, lovely to meet you. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We really do appreciate your support. So to stay updated with our latest episodes, be sure to follow or subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to share the Be Sober Love with your friends, helping us reach even more people. If you're interested in learning more about the impactful work we do, or you want to become part of our incredible Be Sober community, visit our website at besoberofficial.com. There you'll find all the information you need and discover how you can get involved. We look forward to welcoming you into our community of changemakers. Until next time, be brave, be kind, and be sober.